Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Dogs. As always, we appreciate you tuning into the new kids on the block for the always entertaining, sometimes wild takes that we bring to you. Don't forget to like and subscribe below and keep a lookout for us on IG and Twitter at Dynasty Dogs FF, all one word, for daily updates and content. Also, make sure you go to underdogfantasy.com and use our code Dynasty Dog to get a free $25 on top of your $10 deposit. Enjoy. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Dogs. Appreciate you joining in for week two of the NFL in the books. Definitely some interesting storylines for us. I know a lot of guys are popping off. Some aren't. Still some stress and anxiety about the San Francisco offense and some other areas. I know we got to see Green Bay last night. Obviously, Aaron Jones got moving. Devontae Adams looked a lot better, more in form, and Rodgers looked like he was a lot more um, – at ease in, in his offense, but we're going to cover a few different things today. Um, each week, we'll always talk about our dogs of the week previously, and then we'll give you some new ones. Um, we're also going to talk about our rankings that we dropped today. I know we posted that earlier, so going to give everybody a little bit of a recap, a couple guys that I may be a little bit lower on and the guys are higher and vice versa. Um, and then we're also going to talk about a few different questions we got from some of our league mates and different guys we, we know and um, just talk on some different subjects about, you know, buying, selling, holding on different values and things like that. But without further ado, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing good, doing good. I'm just happy with the way things are going. It's craziness, some of the guys who aren't producing yet. Crazy, some of the guys who are. Yeah. And we're going to break it all down. So, Nick, what's going on, bro? Yeah, it's been a crazy week. I had three matchups go into the Monday night game. Crazy matchups. I lost one by one point. One yeah. point. Now 0-2 there. And yeah. then one of them, I had Aaron Jones and Swift. I needed 40. I could have just had Aaron Jones. Shout out to him. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we're ready to get rolling. We got a lot to get into. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, I got a busy, busy episode for everybody. So make sure you check out DynastyDogsFantasy.com for our new rankings. Uh, myself, Nick, Khan, we all fire. broke down kind of our – yeah, I mean, we, we definitely have some different different perspectives on guys. I think one of the ones we wanted to cover was Javante. I think there's a little bit of, uh, of a different viewpoint for all of us and Jalen Hurts. So uh, I know for me I had Javante around 15. Uh, Nick, I think you had him at 16. Con, you have him at 10. So let's get some reasoning behind that. Why so high on him so far? He's in a committee. He's a young back. We haven't even really got to see him pop off. But you have him as your RB10 in Dynasty at this point. Talk to yes, me. yes, I do. And it kind of goes back even to last offseason where I had Javante as my running back one over Najee for the rookie class. I think that the his pass catching I, I referenced this in earlier episodes but I think his pass catching is really underrated I think that you know, just to come in as a rookie already run the way that he does he has a ton of great metrics in his favor like you know yards created after contact make forcing a lot of broken tackles missed tackles he's, he's just a, he, really tough to bring down he's he's a thicker back so you know, it's kind of like the same thing with where, like, Zeke or Saquon, somebody like that, where, you know, guys are trying to wrap up, but they just kind of slide off. Yeah. And with Melvin Gordon there, you know, I know it's a committee for this season, but, you know, they traded up to get him. We know the story. The Broncos line is pretty decent with some great weapons to open it up in the box for him. So I'm really bullish on his situation. I'm bullish on his talent. I think he was – kind of overlooked because Najee went to Bama and Etienne went to Clemson. I think he was a better prospect than both of those guys. 
and I'm excited that he is kind of getting more respect as the season goes along. And he's been he's been as high he was high as 13 coming into the season, and I just kept moving him up because I love what I see. And Melvin Gordon broke off the long run against the Giants, but I see Javante running better than him already, in my opinion. It's just he's, yeah, he just hasn't does, gotten the long one. He does look explosive. His cutting ability, obviously, he's able to make those guys miss like you're talking about. Um, I think the only hard part for me on those rankings, man, I, I just can't put him above guys like David Montgomery, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Swift. Um, you know, obviously, I have Najee ahead of Javante in my rankings, so I'm a little bit, you know, biased in that sense. But um, Wait, Real even quick, Z, you have Montgomery higher than 15? Oh yeah, I got my I got Montgomery at thirteen. I, I actually, if I if I'm honest with you, I wanted to put him top ten, but I I felt like oh, that was my. okay. Well, this isn't about Ooh, Montgomery. No, I'm a I'm a resident David Montgomery fan. Come on, I've been loving that kid since college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was just curious. Condi, yeah, I agree I with you. Just, like just so everybody everybody knows, I don't have um Javante over Mixon. I love Mixon. Mixon is my RB seven in Dynasty. That's where I have him at right now. So I have Javante over Najee by a spot. I have after that Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler. Those guys are just there because after this, you know, after this season, Javante can easily give you five, six more years after this. And those guys, although they're outstanding, although Derrick Jones, uh, Derrick Henry, and Aaron Jones just literally popped off with maybe the two biggest games of the season. The fact of the matter is, one is twenty-seven and the other one's twenty-six, I believe. So you know, they don't drink from the fountain of youth, and at some point in time, it's going to be. You know, t- time to pass the baton on to Javon. One, one of the things my boy is leaving out over here is he's an extreme ageist. He will trade you straight up for a guy <laughs> that's got six years on him just because he's younger. And he loves those sexy 22, 23-year-old guys. You're 27, 28. You're dead in the water. He doesn't want you. And I know a lot of people are listening. You're very similar. You want those young guns. You're like, listen, this guy is the wide receiver one. I don't want the guy that could be the wide receiver one in like four years. <laughs> that's con. He's like always looking towards the future. So that, that, that that's also going to play a little bit into your rankings, right? Like, yeah. be honest, the, I mean, like it, it's always good and it's a little bit of bad, right? So like last year, there's a lot of trades that I made where like I was really into Miles Sanders, right? So I traded like I traded Derrick Henry for Miles Sanders in a first. Like, is that bad value? Back then, it wasn't. And now, that first turned out to be a good player. I believe it was Javante Williams. So, like, I still don't hate that trade. But the Miles Sanders obviously didn't have a good year. And I kind of gave up any chance to to compete by trading Derrick Henry for Miles Sanders. Even though I I had a nice player with that first-round pick. You know, it's still – Yeah, yeah, there's there's still money going into each season. There's still, you know, bragging rights trash talking going on in the leagues and it's tough to to look at that and be like dang i really traded a guy who i thought wasn't going to hold the value because i doubted his running style his age etc and mm-hmm. now a year later he's still my rb12 in dynasty you know what i mean so yeah it's a learning yeah. experience for sure like even redoing these rankings from the time in the offseason i moved Derek henry up four spots i moved Aaron jones up four spots i had guys like ceh josh jacobs cam makers rip to his achilles but I had all those guys above them and yeah. watching them this week kind of checked me back into reality. Like these guys are still in their primes, no matter how badly yeah. I want the next generation to be coming up. It is what it is. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, moving on, Jalen Hurts, another guy that we're a little bit all over on. So in Dynasty, I have him lower than any of you. I have him at 17. Nick has him at 11, so he's the highest. And then Constantine, you have him at 13. I think my reasoning for having him where it is is based purely on the Philadelphia Sheagles. And they're incapable of building a franchise that I feel is, is high-functioning, and they make the right decisions often. And with the multitude of picks they have next year, I had Jalen Hurts as my QB2 coming out last year. I had it Tua, Hurts, um, I think Herbert, and then Burrow, actually. Yeah, um, anybody, like, I, I can back Johnny up on this because he told me, and I was like, yo, you are the most nuts, nuts person that I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah, love so Jalen he's Hurts not lying. No, that's that's a guy that I'm I'm and it from a talent perspective, I still feel that hurts over Burrow. I have Burrow much higher in my rankings. I think he's QB seven for me, if I'm not mistaken. I even have him over Herbert. Um so definitely a different take than than most people out there. But I think my my reasoning for having him low is just you can't trust the Eagles. I mean, I, I don't know that they're even if he plays good this year, gonna stick with him and ride it out and build a team around him and make a competent, you know offense and defense and really build the type of roster that you would want to build. So Nick, I mean, talk to me, you're, you're the highest on Hertz at this point. Why? Like what, what, yeah, what that's makes you good confident? All. Like I don't trust the Eagles either, but you don't have to trust the team to know trust that the player, the player yep. has like a rushing ceiling, which is nuts, which is up there with like Lamar Jackson. Like I think he can Jones, truly. Right? <laughs> what? Yes, sir. It is up there. I with said Daniel, Daniel Jones. Jones. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Nick's still not sold on on Jones. No, guys. no, I'm not hating. I'm just saying it's not close. So Hertz, he's a good passer. He already seems to have chemistry with Devontae Smith and Rager, bro. Um, he's throw some nice people. Him there. and Smith play together. So yeah, of course. That's what I'm saying, and it's yeah, yeah. obviously translating. Yeah. Um, Goddard, I'm also pretty high on. So I mean, the pieces in the offense are pretty good, even though the Eagles are terrible. I don't care. It's not about the Eagles. It's about Jalen Hurts and him putting up fantasy points. And Yeah, he's definitely in my top 12. Just to reference what you just said, by the way, uh, Hurts only has 22 more yards than Daniel Jones, and if you take off the fact that he had that holding penalty, him and Jones are actually neck and neck on rushing yards this season. No, I I know that, but I'm just saying over the span of a season, I don't see it being that close. We'll see. I mean, I think there's definitely – and this is kind of spills into the next topic. We can go ahead and just talk about it. <clears throat> I did want to reference – because I wrote an article on Daniel Jones a few weeks ago, and it was something that – it was the first article I've written in a while, and I put a lot of time and energy into it, and I had some feedback from, from some people, um, mostly good, but one of the feedback one – th- one of the things I heard back for the article was there wasn't a conflicting, this is why Daniel Jones is the guy, go get him. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be super unbiased. I wanted people to kind of make that decision for themselves, but I wanted to give them the context on both sides of the argument, why Daniel Jones is that guy or why maybe he's not that guy. And you could see it for yourself. So, so far throughout the season, we've seen Jones go out and, and make a lot of good decisions. Week one, obviously, he didn't do anything world-breaking. He didn't do anything horrible. It was a pretty okay game. He had that fumble, and that was kind of the overarching, you know, picture of what – It overshadowed like. an otherwise good game. Yes, exactly. Like, you'd look at that game if they ended up winning and he didn't have that fumble, or even if they lost, you'd say, yeah, Jones played pretty good. Like, he didn't do anything great. He didn't do anything bad. He just played good. Week two – 
he had an all-star performance. You know, obviously I brought it up, you know, that hold was a phantom hold, you know, whatever you want to call it. And then that drop pass from Slayton, you can call it Slayton's fault, Jones' fault, whatever it is. Those two plays right there puts him over 50 points this week. He's already the QB5. Jesus Christ. I mean, PFF has already been talking about a lot of statistics for him this year so far when it comes to his rushing ability, um, how he's been looking from you know a passing standpoint on the deep ball, his accuracy, his air yards. I think he leads the league right now in air yards uh, with, I think, 9.3. I think it's it's almost yeah, like Yeah, I think it was um, air yards on completed passes, I believe it was. Is that, is yeah, that what we, it was? Something I believe like it was. If you could find the tweet, that'd be great. Um, yeah, but I'll it was it up. was something about Daniel Jones with air yards. And when you look at what he's doing this year so far, it's only two games, so it's very easy to say, well, hey, you know, we'll see what happens. But realistically speaking, I mean, I'm looking at his performances thus far and saying this is the kind of player that I've seen him as and why I was so high on him. So, you know, I want to hear your perspective. Nick, coming into the season, we talked about it. You were like, dude, I'm freaking nervous. Is Jones the guy? I don't know. He's got that fumbling problem. He's got the turnover problem. He's got the issues with – you know, being able to see the field and make the reads, you know, Constantine, you and I have talked about it, similar situation, offensive line is trash, all these issues. So far, he's looking like that dude. You know what I mean? It's two games. I get it. But we've seen what the ceiling is. And the problem has consistently been, if you talk to anyone that knows what they're saying about quarterbacks, it's never really been, can he be really good? It's, can he just not be really bad? Right? Like that's been the biggest issue. So like, Con, Nick, like talk to me, like, where are you guys at on this? and, And why do you feel the way you feel? Yeah, just to to the reference that's that, um, it is air yards per completion. So it's not just, you know, he's just chucking the ball and it's landing five yards in front of the receiver. No, these are good passes. These are good downfield passes. He's in first in the entire NFL with 9.2. Second is Russell Wilson with 8.3. Uh, third is, is Matthew Stafford with 7.9. So the arm talent is completely there, and he's only really thrown deep to Darius Slayton so far. Yeah, and and I think something I saw somebody was you know kind of a knock on that you know poo poo in the the fact that he's done it where they were saying it's a small sample size he's fifteenth in attempts and yards so like yeah of course you can look at those and say okay well the context says he's not throwing it that deep that often excuse me that often so of course he's going to be the top guy or whatever it is like last season people said well yeah he's the best deep ball passer but he doesn't do it that often he had twenty something attempts so. That's understandable. I get it. Excuse me. Sorry, guys. I ate a burger earlier. I got a little bit of gas going on. <laughs> um, a lot of people would say, you know, there's not a lot of context to the fact that – or there's not a large sample size to that context that you're trying to speak on. So I think as the season goes on, if Jason Garrett stays aggressive with that scheme and allows him to make those decisions, we're going to see more of what Daniel Jones can be. Um, but, Nick, I mean, what, what, what do you think about this? Because I know I'm passionate about it. I can kind of ramble on. I want to hear – like. Where are you at? What are you seeing? What are you thinking? Yeah, so I'll go over it pretty quick because we should, next we'll get into the, uh, you know, buying low and holding yeah. players for value. But, I mean, yeah, he looked good, but I really have to see it not against the Washington football team. I'll be completely honest with you. I, yeah. Even though they're a top defense? Even though he owns them. I mean, I get it, but they like they have a good secondary. They got decent. I know, I know, the but defensive line is four first. I need to picks, see like... it against a team that's not the Washington Football Team. I really <laughs> am hoping that he comes out and kills it this week. I think he will, for what it's worth. I think the real test is Week Four against the Saints, um, and then whenever it is that's that we play test. the Rams, yeah, um, that's a test. Well, and if look, I mean, if dude, he does great, yeah. 
Awesome. Here's but if not, here's the reality. We play some fast. really good teams, right? The Chiefs, the Bucks, the Rams, even the Raiders look really good right now. Like we're gonna find out who Daniel Jones is in the Frauds. next five, six weeks. Who? The, the Raiders? Raiders? The Raiders. The Raiders. Derek Carr. The uh, moving Raiders. on. So if I can leave us in this segment, guys, I've been saying and I've been preaching by Daniel Jones. I do believe in him. I'm I'm a Giants fan, so if you want to disregard what I'm saying, that's totally fair. I think I'm very unbiased to how I feel about the player because I'm very critical of who he is and what he can do. Um, if you can get him in a super flex league for like a first, like, you know, obviously if it's, if you think it's going to be one, one, you know, I would rethink that, but yeah, if you can get him for like a late first and like a second, <laughs> maybe like, dude, I mean, this guy, you see his ceiling, right? Like he has the Konami code. We, we say that word a lot, it's, you know, the trigger, but I, I would go out and buy him. So yeah, moving like, on. Wait, uh, just, just to yeah. give him another example, like let's say like a Ryan Tannehill, right? If you can get Daniel Jones and two seconds for Ryan Tannehill, I'm making that deal. If you can trade with Baker Mayfield, who I think is an outstanding passer, but just won't be as good uh, for fantasy as Daniel Jones, and you can get, you could send a two and get a one. So Daniel Jones had a one for Baker and a two. Do that every time. It's little stuff like that. No, absolutely. It's and that's what we always talk on, right? It's it's I'm a I'm we joke about it. I'm a value whore and that's something that like I've learned to appreciate so much. Like it's so hard for me to turn I could love a player, you offer me a trade with too much value and it's like, dude, I, I'm an idiot to turn this down. I can't, you know. And th- there is instances like if you try to get Rondell more for me, I'm gonna tell you, you know, go go you know, screw a go. Like it's just not gonna happen. But anyway, moving on, quick mention, Aaron Jones looked phenomenal last night. Like, dude is out of this world in that scheme, which breaks my heart because Saquon Barkley gets used like he's a, you know, a, a two-down thumper and, and yeah. he's a better talent. But, I mean, what are you guys thinking of Aaron Jones? You buying, you selling, you holding? Man. It, holding or yeah, buying as a contender, depending on what you have to give up for him, really. I so mean, if you price? have some spare picks, if you have a spare first and like a, a young – like a first and – Damien Harris, maybe. I don't know if that's enough. I mean, after last night's performance, maybe not. But also yeah. Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah, Derrick, Derrick Henry, Henry dropped 60 points for me <laughs> this week, and I that's was insane. going crazy. Uh, I was like, wow. It's so funny. Every year it's like all we hear is regression, regression, and it's like, dude, the, the guy is just a freaking – large man. He's the outlier. He's the Adrian people. Peterson of this generation. He's yeah. The, He's going to be around. You know what it is also? Go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. All right. So, you know, we see even in other sports like the NBA and uh, MLB, like, I don't know if you guys follow baseball, but Nelson Cruz is like 42 years old and he just hit like 35 home runs this season. Or, you know, LeBron, who's going to be 38 and still like a top three player. Like, it's, I know it's different for the NFL because guys are getting hit. It's a lot more uh, injury prone sport. Guys usually. Every now and then they come around. Yeah, you know, like, I know we don't want to get stuck with Le'Veon Bell or Todd Gurley or et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But at the end of the day, that, like, that trade I made with Miles Sanders, you know, I cost myself probably running a title because I traded Derrick Henry out of fear. And there's some guys, yeah, like Travis Kelsey, there's guys like, uh, as we said, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, uh, maybe like a, uh, who else would, like a Russell Wilson, guys that you just don't trade out of fear of a drop-off. You just have to ride it out, like a DeAndre Hopkins, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you, hold, you let guys 
it, you know, Ray GQ, he always says, like, the king is retiring on my team. Like, he's, the wheels are going to fall off. Because, like, a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, Derrick Henry, at this point, even Aaron Jones, right? Because every year everyone's just kind of expecting it. Like, you just hold those guys because they're going to have a few more years of elite production. It's like Adam Thielen, right? Coming into the air, everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's done. He's not going to do anything. Like, dudes, he's crushing it. You know what I mean? The good wide receivers, good players, they're just going to be good. They're going to produce. So, um, it, it's just one of those things you got to look at and you just got to understand. But um, Derrick Henry, he's a mean hold for me. Uh, you know, coming into the season, a lot of people were were pushing off the idea that he was going to be able to do it again. Dude, his first three years, he didn't have a ton of carries. You know what I mean? He was kind of utilized like not not strong, right? Like, I mean, I, who was he? Was it Demarco Murray he played with when he first came in? Yeah, yeah, Am I right. Yeah, so he wasn't he left the full Dallas. Workload. Yeah, yeah, he came to Tennessee. So, anyway, moving on. We want to talk a little bit on buy low, holding players, when their value is low, when to sell. Not overreacting. Yeah, man. So, listen, it's week two, guys. Like, we are new when it comes to the podcasting arena. But something that I have learned um, the hard way, um, my, my good bud Joe, he, he used to rip me apart in trades when we first started making them. Because um, I, in a lovely friend way, he wanted me to learn. And, and how I learned was destroying teams by, by just <laughs> making these awful trades. And I would just – it was like a circus. Like, I'd trade him a player, I'd hold, and then I'd trade him another player. And, you know, the whole league kind of made fun of me because I was terrible and they would all do it to me. But something I've and learned – And the student we, became the teacher. Now, John. <laughs> Yeah, Johnny you, you makes just, some trades. There was a trade I today see these where, trades go through, and I'm like, Jesus. I need a drink. It's like 2 p.m. <laughs> yeah. Johnny, what was the deal today? You traded Najee and, and Mac Jones for Trevor Lawrence and Terry McLaurin, and everybody face-bombed. No, it was uh, – Yeah, what bro. Was it? was it Najee and Trevor? You yes. traded You traded Najee and Mac Jones, and you got Terry McLaurin and Trevor Lawrence, and everybody was pissed. I also gave up James Washington and got Gainwell. I mean, don't leave out the whole trade. Oh, oh yeah, come on. <laughs> well, I mean, in context, guys, like I also knew, and for example, like this kind of spills into the, the segment, like this guy really needed a running back. He was not confident. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is his RB2. Derek Henry's is an RB1. And after that, it kind of drops off for him, right? So he felt his wide receivers were deep. He had Terry Ridley, DeAndre Hopkins, Robert Woods. He's in a good situation. Chark, Devontae Smith. So he felt he could afford it to take that drop off. He feels like Trevor Lawrence will struggle this year. He likes what Mac Jones is doing. So, like, there was context there. Like, I understood his logic. Like, a lot of people would say it was a bad trade. They didn't like it, whatever. He's a big Najee Harris guy. He feels he has that top five upside. It gives him that advantage at running back to have Derrick Henry. And, you know, obviously, Hilarious is RB3. So there was context to it. But, yeah, I mean, I get what you guys are saying. I, I think a lot of people react dramatically to the market because right now, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you're kind of wondering, like, well, what's going to happen with him? So, like, he's a, he's a great example for us. Like, what are you guys doing with Hilaire? Uh, I don't know. Honestly, Hilaire is someone I never owned. I never drafted last year. Um, I was actually possibly looking into a deal with him tonight. I don't know um, really how I what feel about deal? it. Let's so, talk about it. No, no, no. Let's, let's – uh, Hold, hold off on that. <laughs> so I wanted to mention also on the the holding players. I have an article coming out Thursday. I wrote up yes. something about Lavisca Chenault. Um, I think people are overreacting drastically. You'll see more about it when you get to read the article. But don't don't. I see people saying drop him and redraft. Don't do that. I see people saying get out now. DJ Chark's the guy, and just don't do it. Like. <laughs> 
Yeah. You, you'll see in the article, there's a lot of points, including something on Trevor Lawrence that's uh, helped hold him back. But yeah. yeah, as far as um buying low, I did have a trade today. I went through at like 3 a.m. I didn't expect it to, but oh yeah, I sent two twenty-three seconds, mm-hmm. Tyler Boyd and Hunter Henry for George Kittle in a two-point tight end premium league, and I felt like, I mean, I obviously had Hunter Henry as my tight end, so that upgrade was just massive. I mean, people are so down on him. For I mean, you know, he didn't have the worst weeks, but it wasn't typical George Kittle. Like last week was bad in Philly. It was bad week. But I'm not worried long term, and I think yeah, by midseason it'll be paying dividends. You know what? Why I think people are worried? I think it's because last year he had like 15 for 180 and two touchdowns or something like that against Philly. So people kind of expected that maybe like playing them this week. <laughs> and he scored 62 points in this two point premium. He had 15 targets. He caught all of them. Yeah, for 183 and a touchdown. Yep. So that's insane. You know, he but, still played 95% of snaps in week one. He played 100% of snaps in week two. Exactly. So, you know, usually young quarterbacks, so they come in, they don't really throw towards the boundary. They don't try to make those far hash throws. George Kittle is a big target. He's reliable. He doesn't drop passes. Tough guy. He's going to be Trey Lance's security blanket, whether it's at the line of scrimmage or not, just because and, they're usually comfortable throwing to those bigger targets. Um, and it's not like, you know, if Trey Lance is scrambling, George Kittle is not going to be relevant. You know, George Kittle is extremely agile and fast. He can contribute in a scramble drill, all that good stuff. So totally buy George Kittle. I'm talking a deal with Johnny right now. Where I'm going to trade him. <laughs> and I want him to know that I'm not BSing this. George Kittle John's is pitching his heart out right now, guys. He's really trying. <laughs> he's my tight end, too, in Dynasty, so. Yeah, yeah I don't blame. Me. I mean, I'm up there with him too. Here's the thing, and, and I had a, a really good conversation with a buddy of mine I work with, and he made a really awesome point about the 49ers and, and Shanahan. You know, he, he laughed. He's like, Shanahan's always trying to be a secret. Like, everything he does is like no one can know. And he said following the 49ers for as long as he has, and he writes for them and, and does some different stuff, Shanahan doesn't open his playbook right away. The first few weeks of the season, he's really trying to figure out the offense. He's trying to figure out the schemes that he's playing against. And also, he likes to protect that for when he's playing teams like the Seahawks and the Rams and these really high-powered offenses and strong defenses that they're going to be in these back-and-forth battles, and you know, especially division games, right? So he made a great point that to not really look at what you see right now for their offense to be what it's going to be in four to five weeks. And I think that's a great point for people freaking out about Brandon Ayuk. I get it. It's definitely a thing to be aware of. I'm aware of it. I own him in a lot of leagues. I just bought low on him in another league. I think it was a first and like a third or, or maybe a second. I can't remember exactly, but um, it was a first and a small piece. And, you know, having 75% exposure to a player in, in your dynasty leagues, you look at it and you're like, all right, man. So like, what am I doing here? Players that are talented to that extent, like a George Kittle, they just paid him what 70 million guys. I mean, Nick yep. Conn, can Over you look up the years. exact contract? Yeah. So it was, it was a large contract enough to where I'm looking at it and saying to myself, there's no way that they paid him that kind of money to be a blocker when he's been an incredible pass catcher for them, especially when Jimmy Garoppolo really needs that type of presence in the middle of the field, because he's not the type of guy that's going to make these out of the world throws and Trey Lance who can do that is still going to need a player like a George Kittle to get open for him and, and kind of eat underneath and, and kind of pick up those chunk yards for them, yeah. you know, when the running game is, is working, but maybe not, you know, all they want to lean on. So 
Nick, I love that trade for you. Um, guys, if you are panicking on George Kittle, I'm not saying he's the tight end one. I mean, Darren Waller is a target hog. Travis Kelsey's in a high-powered offense, and he's basically a wide receiver one, and he's the, if we're honest, the first option for Patrick Mahomes. With that touchdown he had was insane. Nuts, dude. I mean, he's he's just he's a superstar. You know what I mean? So, like, it's okay to say that he's not the number one, but, like, those top three tight ends, they're still elite. Now, you get into the territory where I see people saying, well, T.J. Hawkinson, he's the guy now. Like, I have him over Kittle. I can't do that. Like, I think that T.J. Hawkinson is good. I think that he's a target hog. I think he's definitely improved. probably also had Clyde over Taylor. <laughs> what, are you saying people that think that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think those people are, are probably uh, eating their shorts right now, for being honest. I mean, anybody that had Clyde over Taylor was, was purely reactionary, and that oh, boils down to JP, what we're talking quick, about. Kittle's go contract ahead. is five years, $75 million. So, so there you go. I mean, yeah, with, like, with what, him, are we, what are we questioning? <laughs> like, yeah, look and, at that one. And with Mark Andrews, where he just signed four for 56. You know, people are panicking on Mark Andrews because he had, like, like 10 combined targets these first two weeks, and you shouldn't be panicking. The touchdowns My dynasty tight end four, higher than probably both of you guys, right? Yes, sir. Johnny? Say that one more time. I'm sorry. You cut out for just a sec. Where do you have Andrews in your dynasty rankings? I think I have Andrews at five or six. Let's look. I have it right here. So I have Mark Andrews at seven, actually. So um, Yeah, I have him at four, guys, so I'm definitely the highest. Yeah, if you guys don't know, I'm, I'm as high on Kyle Pitts as you can be. I have 100% exposure to him. I will not trade him unless you're coming to me with um, that grandfather offer that is probably just going to piss the league off, but that's just how I feel. <laughs> I, I just don't want to trade the guy. I feel like he's He's the next coming, um, and he's already looked really, really good. But regardless, yeah, I have it. Um, Waller, Kelsey, Kittle, Pitts. Then I have Fant, Hawk, and then Andrews. So that, that's how I round out my top seven. But I think the point of this is, and we don't want to you know, stick on the point for too long, when a player gets paid that kind of money, they're going to utilize him, plain and simple. He's talented. We've seen what he can do. He's been banged up in his career. I think the narrative started to become, can he stay healthy? Yeah. He's, listen, he, he broke his ankle. I think it was – week six or seven last year. I can't remember exactly what week it was, Con. Please fact check me on that. But, you know, he had a hammy, broke his ankle. I think he played through a broken ankle the year before, right? Like, he's a beast. He's the kind of guy, like, he's just going to be on the field. So plays um, physical. You... It gets you hurt. Yeah, bro. He, he, broke his an- he broke his ankle, and then he still came back, like, while his ankle was still kind of messed up and dropped. Mm-hmm. I think it was four for 100. On the He's Cardinals, savage, it was man. four for ninety, and then also dropped seven for seventy against the Seahawks the next week. So <laughs> just ridiculous, insane. dude. He's a specimen. Yeah. So. He also he broke that he broke that ankle in week eight, Johnny. By the way, he came back week sixteen, so two months to recover from a broken <laughs> ankle, and then drop a hundred and sixty yards over two NFL games. <laughs> like think about that's so ridiculous man <laughs> like I, and listen guys i get it like there is always reason for concern like for example in one of my favorite leagues actually my my first dynasty league um that i did a draft in a couple of years ago i think it's two years old or three years old that we actually still have i've been doing dynasty for a while just 
leagues unfortunately don't don't last that long um when you do it with people you don't know better yet but anyway um one of the leagues i'm owing two and my team in my personal opinion is by far the best in the league um and i'm facing the other team in the league that is just stacked this 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 week and and i could easily go down zero and three so you know i think people look at their roster and they look at the league and they start to panic when they're down oh two they're like oh man what am i going to do it's a long season guys you can start off I think in one league last year, I lost four straight games and I didn't lose another one for like nine weeks. Like it happens. You know what I mean? Like you legitimately can go on runs. Your team sometimes starts off a little slow, like believe in your process, stick to it. Um, I was talking to a, a, a buddy of mine um, from one of our leagues today and, and I was actually talking about a trade and he's like, man, you got to trust your process. You know, you built out a strong team. You built out a good roster. You believe in the guys you got stick to them. Um, so guys, don't panic. Never panic sell. Like there's certain players that I think people are doing that on right now. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I get it. I understand it. Um, I don't know that I'm panic selling. I, I think that I'm I'm understanding the value. And if I feel uncomfortable in the situation, I go out and I try to find a good trade. If you feel the wheels are about to fall off on a player, move them. So anyway, um, let's keep moving it along. I, I gotta have my little session, guys. Can I go off on a Rondell Moore chant right now? Like Yes, I mean, so you can. And but one thing, one thing, I was in your corner when you said Rondell Moore over Jamar Chase this year. You were, you were. Just, just so you, you know, you agreed. And listen, I got a lot of shit and a lot of slack for Rondell Moore. Um, from uh, really, both these guys gave me gave me some stuff for it. But from a lot of people, because I've listen, when I like a guy, I like a guy. You know what I mean? Like I go all in. And, and Rondell Moore is a guy right now. He is the top rookie receiver. He's got 182 yards right now. He's over Jamar Chase at 155, Jalen Waddell at 109. Like, he's looked really, really good. You know, there's some PFF grades out there that show him as the, the top guy. Yep. I mean, it's it's some exciting stuff when, when you really, really like a guy. You're all in on him for a couple years. They come out. You know, I do Debbie Leagues. And then, you know, the first few weeks, it, it's like, this is the dude. You know what I mean? This is the guy that I thought he was. So, I get it. You know, one of the guys is giving me shit like, hey, man, he had a broken play. Like, how many of those is he going to have? He's not a downfield threat. Like, he's the kind of guy <laughs> he that's a Kyler Murray. Player. How is he not going to have a ton of broken that's plays? That's what I'm saying, man. It's going to happen. You know, if it doesn't happen every week, it's going to be often enough that you're going to you're gonna feel it, man. And you got to understand, A.J. Green, like, he is older, but he's still going to command attention from a defense. DeAndre Hopkins is a Hall of Famer. He's always going to command multiple people to be paying attention to him on that side of the field. And then you have Christian Kirk, who's not an all-star, but he's a downfield threat. You know what I mean? Chase Edmonds, there's a lot of speed on that team. And then Kyler Murray as well. So you have multiple players that are consistently drawing attention from the defense. A guy like Rondell Moore can very easily get open. There was a play this last week you saw where he caught the ball and he made like four guys miss. He's like a little juke stick. You know what I mean? And yeah. like it's hilarious watching him and, and Kyler play together because it's literally like two guys that are just <laughs> little elves just like scurrying around, like passing the ball to each other. And you have these like 6'4 linebackers that are like 260 like – wanting to kill them and they can't catch them. Like it's, it's, it's fun to watch, but um, yeah, man, I've been super high on Rondell. He's my wide receiver too for rookies. I know we're only week two in guys. So don't think that I'm pounding my chest over here. It's just exciting to see um, him start off. Well, hopefully it continues. Um, I'm in a few leagues that offer punt return yards and, and you get some points for that too. So if you do have that scoring setting in your league, that's another piece that's going to offer um, some sort of help to you when it comes to points each week and kind of help with that floor. Um, but overall, I'm just pumped, man. I mean, you know, Con, Nick, what are you guys thinking? I mean, you, 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 I believe, have been buying Rondell since I've been hyping him up so hard, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I like Rondell. I do. I mean, I liked him at Purdue. I, I wasn't as high on him year one. 
like I don't know I just didn't see it really happening I mean I'm really happy to see it happening my friend actually asked me the other day he's like oh should I start Devin Singletary or Rondell Moore in my flex because you know and I was like oh I would go Rondale. and then I think Singletary dropped 21 at the one o'clock game he's like man I should start Singletary I'm like nah Rondell's gonna ball out this game I'm telling you and then he did I think he only dropped like three more points but still like that's a hell of a week. Yeah, for sure. Dude, um, it's kind of it's kind of been impossible to buy Rondell for me because I would say about eighty percent of my leagues I'm in them with Johnny. So <laughs> and he uh, he thinks he thinks that I hate Rondell. I mean, Dude, you told me you hated him. You told me one of your buddies gave please. you some insider information. No, that's not. I did not say I hated him because of that. I said <laughs> so. Long long story short, I have a friend played on the same team as Rondell at Purdue. Said he wasn't a good guy. I told that to Johnny, and he's like, "Oh, so is this why you hate Ronda more?" Blah blah blah. And I'm like, "No, I just, I just told you what I heard." Um, so it's kind of hard for me. It was hard for me to buy Ronda more because there's guys who love Ronda more, and it was just never possible for me to get up to that price. I still wouldn't get up to that price. However, he if he grows a little bit more in terms of, he's not gonna get taller. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, like, I hope he grows more as an outside guy and not just a slot kind of broken play, um, you know, kind of like gadget type of guy. I know that's kind of cutting him short, selling him short, I mean. But, like, if he, if he expands his game, then, you know, I'll be all, I'll be all in because I see the speed, I see the, the elusiveness, the agility. I see the... Like you guys just have a natural talent to make guys miss tackles, and he has that for sure. So, uh, Nick, let's move on to our dog of the week recap. So you let's had t- on that. what happened? No, I was gonna say yeah. Let's jump into it. Yeah. So Nick, you had T Higgins. Do you want to go first, bro? Yeah. So Higgins did have a slower start last week. I was watching. I think he had maybe five points at halftime in a full PPR league, but he did wind up getting in the end zone. So he finished with 10 targets. That's great. Caught six of them for 60 and a touchdown. So really he finished with 15 points. Exactly. I'd say it was a solid week for him. The touchdown definitely helped him out at the end, but Mm -hmm. 10 targets. Hey, I mean, if he gets 10 targets every week, I'll be very happy. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I think that was a pretty decent dog of the week. Definitely better than uh the zero that Russell Gage put up week one for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, how was yours, Con? Yeah. Go? So I went with Joe Mixon, and he disappointed. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But the one, th- uh, the one thing that I wanted to bring to light was in a game where they were kind of down for most of it after the second mm-hmm. half started. Burrow he still- threw like he didn't throw. A- pick for like 200 straight passes and i think yeah, Joe three Brady, yeah, in that yeah, like three quarter and, was it three consecutive passes i don't know if it was consecutive passes but i think it was like in a row and in, in a very <laughs> weird okay, yeah, yeah so anyway so from week one you know 78 percent of snaps 29 attempts four targets love every single bit of that now in this mm-hmm. week 84 percent of snaps 20 attempts only two targets so snaps went up, attempts went down a little bit because of game script, and the targets, unfortunately, were only two. So you want to see the targets get up there higher, but just from a a workload standpoint, 
now having 50 carries through two games, I don't think there's any question that Joe Mixon has top 10, top eight upside this year. If people are questioning that, just averaging 24 and a half carries per game, uh, there's nothing to question now. This offense is going to get rolling. They have another tough matchup against Pittsburgh. But then going into Jacksonville, Green Bay, Detroit, Baltimore, and the Jets from weeks four to eight. It, it's going to be a cupcake schedule. After that, uh, you go into the bye week, week 10, and then the Raiders, uh, the Chargers, and Niners week 12 and 13, uh, 13 and 14, excuse me. And then at championship week, you get the Kansas City Chiefs. Joe Mixon is going to win people championship titles this year. It just is what it is. And he can have another bad game scoring-wise this week against the Steelers. I'm still going to pound the table for him because he'll probably have another 20-something carries and hopefully three or more targets mm-hmm. and hopefully 75% or more snaps. And, you know, I'll be I'll be back in a couple of weeks to to say that Joe Mixon is still my guy. Yes, I really hope we continue to see Mixon getting like twenty, at least twenty attempts a game, and if we can get it to like four or five targets a game, ooh, it's gonna be very fun to watch. I mean, I I feel like he's one of those guys who's gonna get better as the game goes on too, just because he's six one and a half, two twenty, and we see that like with Nick Chubb with their commitment to the run, how he just grinds defenses down, and he's five eleven, two thirty. So I I don't I don't see why Joe Mixon can't kind of have that type of effect. And with a high-powered offense, their defense has been really good, and, and including their line. So I feel like he's going to be in a lot of good game scripts this year. You know, against a team like the Steelers, there's a good chance with the way that the offense struggling that their defense kind of holds it down. Maybe this game going into halftime is like a 13-6 to six type of game, and they get to ride Joe Mixon out for the second half, and he finishes with maybe 25, 26 carries. Yeah, that would be good. I mean, it is Pittsburgh. But, I mean, really, that whole offense has been pretty impressive. I'm pretty happy with it because I saw a lot of people, you know, obviously everyone's high on all these players they have. I saw a lot of people, uh, you know, on social media saying how, oh, it's going to be a big disappointment. But I don't really – Yeah, it was a big talking point in redraft how these guys were being priced as if the offense was already elite, right? As if this offense was already Tampa Bay, as if this offense was already Seattle. And – you saw this week, T. Higgins, what did you say his stat line was? He had 10 targets, 6 receptions, 60 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah. Two touchdowns and then, in two weeks. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. Um, uh, Jamar Chase also had four targets, only two catches, but he it was for 54 and a touchdown. Tyler Boyd had seven for 70, and they still found a, a good way game. To, yeah, and they still found a way to give Joe Mixon 20 carries and two targets. So uh, it's not like all these guys can't eat. You know, that was against no, the they, Bears, exactly. and they all kind of ate. So, Johnny, so how yeah, about so your Johnny, guy, Jones? Good. Yeah, I got, I, listen, guys, one thing we said, and we're always going to do it, is we want to be accountable. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know who listens to this show, who doesn't listen to this show, but the one thing we want to make sure is that if we give you something, we're honest about it, and we hold you hold ourselves accountable. I told people to start Mac Jones. It was a bad take. Um, I had a buddy start him over Darnold in a league and lose because Ooh, of it. Um, Darnold had a good week, man. He looked good. He looked really good. And I'm Darnold, happy Darnold looked sharp, man. I want mm-hmm. everybody that gets away from the Jets to always look good because the Jets stand <laughs> for just end the season. They suck. All right? As a New York Giants fan, I do not like the Jets. Never root for them. But in all seriousness, um, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, now, see, from a from a NFL perspective, he did have a good game. I like the matchup. He was 22 for 30, 186 yards, 
clean game, but he only put up like seven points. You know what I mean? So there's just nothing there from a fantasy perspective to look back and be like, yeah, he really killed it. So shitty dog of the week. I'm owning it. I'm the loser here. You know, Can my do boys better this week. Good. Yeah, we we I got I got some we got some good dogs of the week. We got some good stuff for you. So yeah, no, but I think that was one that um, I love the matchup and I, I got a little infatuated with it. But again, you got to think Bill Belichick. You know, is he really going to unleash a guy like Mac Jones just yet? And and the answer is no. So um, that was something I overlooked. I'll adjust my process. We'll do better. Um, all right, guys. So we've talked pretty much most of our areas. Win is probably not going to come from the defense locking up Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts. I think it's going to have to come from the offense. And they're pretty good on the interior with Grady Jarrett holding it down. The Knicks lost – I mean, the Knicks lost <laughs> – Jesus. The Giants lost Nick Gates is what I meant to say. Yeah. So, I think it's going to be a big-time Daniel Jones game. And I think he's going to, you know, run run outside, find Kenny G, hopefully. So, I'm all in on Daniel Jones this week. All right. I love it. Nick. Yeah, I have Jonathan Taylor going against Tennessee. He's due for that big game. Yeah, uh, I agree. I kind of want to say I'm going to call two touchdowns from him this week. Hopefully, Ooh, Naheem spicy. Hines doesn't make me eat that. Yeah, Hopefully, Naheem Hines doesn't make me eat that. But I love yeah. Taylor. We all love Taylor. Um, I got Taylor. And I think it's time. It's time. Yeah. The slander's got to stop. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, for me, I'm I'm going back to the same matchup as I had last week. I love Noah Fant against the Jets. Um, Noah Fant's been looking phenomenal this season. Um, if anybody knows, Constantine and I both feel Noah Fant um, over the next two to three years definitely has the upside to be the tight end one. Um, 23 years old, his profile is just absurd. When you watch him play and run, he's always – he always just looks better and faster than everyone else on the field. And when he's running it, he looks like a, a wide receiver. Like he's just, he's like a gazelle in the open field. I freaking love this kid. So um, I'm, I'm calling my shot again with Fant. I feel he's due for another big game. Um, last two weeks, he's obviously had about, he's averaging about seven targets a game. He's on the field often. Obviously a touchdown kind of helped his numbers for this week, but I, I feel a nice 80 yard touchdown, you know, Seven eight reception game is is in the works, um, so that's that's where I'm at for Fant, and uh, I think it. we'll move into to the next segment, which is our questions. Um, yep. So we'll wrap up with you guys. Um, we got we a lot. Couple, yeah, we got a couple good ones. Um, so first one, which injured player, meaning injured a minimum of six weeks, should you be buying right now in Dynasty for their current price? This is from David, who's actually our editor. So what's up, my man? We will go ahead and kick it off mm-hmm. with Khan. All right, so just putting this stuff together, I kind of had a feel for what everybody else is going to pick. So I wanted to give you a guy who you can send like maybe a fourth if the owner doesn't realize the opportunity that he has. And it is 49ers running back Jeff Wilson. I, I thought he'd be given a much larger opportunity coming into the season than obviously drafted Trey Sermon, and it kind of put a damper on that. But with most of it after the season – with Sermon getting inactives or one inactive when Mostert was healthy, um, I, I feel like there's a clear role for him to step in and handle maybe 10 to 12 carries with a, with two or three targets, hopefully. Um, hmm. He he kind of had a big role last year when there was a lot of injuries. He had a big game against, I believe, the Eagles where he had like 100 and a touchdown. I know he had a big game against the Giants where he had a rushing and a receiving touchdown. And I think that Kyle Shanahan trusts him just because he's been there for, I think, two or three years now. And, you know, if he, he's on IRs. He, he's on my IR, and I think about half the leagues that I'm in. 
if you can get him, you know, even for a third and you're a contending team, I think he can be a chip, a, a chip piece that, you know, he might not be there. He might not be relevant next year, but for the last home stretch of the season, I think he can carve out a really nice role and be a guy who could depend on as a third flex. And like these, me, me, Johnny and Nick playing these super deep 12 super flex, three, three uh, flex spot leagues. So that's, wide receivers too. Yeah. So in, in a league like that, you know, you can depend on him to be your second or third flex, I believe, when he comes back. Okay. Yeah, I like it. Um, for me, I'm going to stay true to the brand. I've been preaching Michael Thomas at value for the last couple months. Um, I think you're an idiot if you're not sending out offers to the teams <laughs> with Michael Thomas. I mean, I'm just being as, as transparent as I can. I mean, people are really ready to just give up on this guy like he's never going to be anything again. Um, he's an elite talent in a situation where they don't have a true wide receiver. One, James Winston loves to throw the rock. I don't care if he's lazy. Wait, what do you mean lazy. Johnny Marquez Callaway is there? Yeah, I mean, Callaway is, is not looking like the dude that Twitter told me he was going to be. Um, I, listen, if you can get Michael Thomas for a late first um, and, and a player, um, I mean, dude, he, has top, he has top eight upside, top five upside. Like, he, he is still that guy. Like, I, I think people need to remember, like, I get it. We don't like old players. We don't like anyone over the age of 23. Like, but at the end of the day, like this dude is the kind of guy that can go out there and win you a championship. He's coming back at perfect time too, where you can go on that run and, and you have those streak of games where this dude is just going to be a target hog for Jameis. So um, I'm sending out offers in every league I'm in if I can. Um, you know, if it's picks, if it's young players, if if you have the depth, which I try to build out in most of my leagues, send you know two young guys for for him. You know, if somebody's either rebuilding or if they're trying to compete, send them a piece for a guy that's that's starting that you know, you don't really love or believe in and, and ride it out. Nikki, where you at? Yeah, so it's going to surprise Khan. i um, going Cam Akers. Yes, sir. Let's go. Whoa. Let's I go. I said that I would not whoa. take him, not even think about it at his 205 ADP this offseason because it was ridiculous and stupid. But now you're getting him at such a discount that it's – and you see Marlon Mack bouncing back in the way that he is and being able to play – at this discount, you buy him. At 205 next offseason, if he is there somehow, again, you you pass up on him. So you buy him now. That's my, my that's my answer. Let's go. I'm so surprised Jesus. to hear that. I'm so surprised because I don't think anybody here. I had Cam Akers before the Achilles tear as a top five dynasty back, and he was oh my, my – he was my – he was tied with – uh, who was that? With I think it was Jonathan. Yeah, he was tied with Jonathan Taylor for the third spot. They were going to fight it out this season to, to win my heart for the third spot. And Cam Akers did it. I just told him he was crazy. Like, yeah, right, <laughs> right before we hopped Jesus. on here. But I'm, yeah, you guys in this Cam Akers love. All right, I, calm I, down yeah. over there, buddy. Calm down, big guy, all right? I, I heard what I said. I said I wouldn't I'm watch getting worked up, man. I heard Cam Akers. I'm getting worked up. <laughs> all right, next question. All right, Goody, one of our favorite league mates. Uh, is Rondell Moore a weekly flex option? Uh, who would you start him over? For now, for me, um, I think Ayuk is obvious just based off of the situation. You can't trust when that is going to become something that he's going to be a weekly option. Um, so Ayuk's one guy. Tyler Boyd is another. Um, I love Boyd. I just think he's going to have a little bit of um, inconsistency. Up and yeah, up and down in that offense. You know, when they really get clicking, sure, maybe he'll have a nice baseline of five, six, you know, receptions for 45 yards every week, you know, a, you know, a couple red zone targets. But at the end of the day, 
You just don't really know till that offense gets going. Uh, LaVisca right now, until that offense again gets going, you know what I mean? You have Trevor Lawrence, who's a rookie, Urban Meyer, who's a complete dick cheese. Um, you know, you have a consistent just cluster F going on over there. And DJ Chark, like, I mean, he's getting all these targets, but they're not catchable. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence leads the league by a lot with uncatchable passes. So until they get going and they feel comfortable, he's another guy. Uh, Michael Carter, I think he's going to start to carve out a little bit of a role for flex option, but Rondell obviously over him. Um, what do you guys think? Anybody you're comfortable starting him over just yet? Yeah, um, so I would probably start him over guys like Tyler Boyd as well and mm-hmm. Uncle Lenny. I mean, I got to give him a shout-out, of course, <laughs> and get him out of here. Uncle um, Lenny, Joey. Just people in that tier, you know, people like – like I would start Damian Harris over Rondo Moore. I think that's about where, like, Ooh. the cutoff's at probably. Yeah. Um. So, so kind of going on the list here. So you're you're gonna start Rondell Moore over Lavisca Chanel. I think that's kind of without question, just because of the role, the the A dot of Lavisca's targets, and just the overall mess that they are down there right now. But uh, like a Jalen Waddle, as much as it pains me that I love Jalen Waddle and his talent, I think is he, I think he's the second most talented receiver in this class. I'm still starting Rondell over him. I'm starting him over Devontae really? Smith. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Over Jalen Waddle. Give me some logic on that. Waddle's looked great. I mean, I he, love he has, me, he has love looked Waddell, great, but... but the offense doesn't. And Arizona's offense looks insane. Okay. So, I mean, all right. All right. That's fair. With Fuller coming back, I guess I can understand the logic. Keep going. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I no, just, no, no, no. Bro, it's, it's – yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a Waddle guy, bro. Like this I am I am a Waddle guy. I'm still a Waddle guy. If if yeah. Tua Vailoa is ever not the quarterback at the Dolphins, I'm the I mean, biggest you're such Waddle. A Waddle. You Waddle when you walk. You love Waddle so much, yeah. right? Like, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it goes without saying, you start him over Elijah Moore. You start him over, you know, Terrace Marshall, et cetera. Um, I wouldn't start him over Michael Pittman just because I think Pittman's role from week-to-week basis is more safe. Um, uh, even though Robert Woods has kind of underperformed, you're still starting Robert Woods over him. I think that's kind of self-explanatory, but I'm just starting Thank God you went yeah. that way. I thought you were going the other way. No, no, no. I'm just like the people who are tra- who are a little bit down from where they where they were drafted, people who are a little bit higher than – performing a little bit higher than when they drafted. I'm trying to compare the, like yeah. people who are in kind of his range. Um, when Odell comes back, I'm starting Odell over him. There's no other receiver to catch passes. Um, Devontae yeah, Jarvis S- is out now, right? Yeah, he's on IR with an MCL sprain. And yeah, Andrew's out. One uh, one last reference is Devontae Smith. Mm, I'm not sure. What do you guys think about that? Smith. Smith. I was I was kind of leaning that way, but I feel like that's tough, man. I mean, Devontae. I don't know. Devontae's the one over there. You know what I mean? He's the guy, but that offense, you got to wait. I mean, Serena came out and basically took accountability for the play calling this week and basically said, hey, guys, it's on me. You know, oh, it's really? not as much the play calling, but it's more or less the, the scheming and, and, and yeah, the, the position way. he put them in. Yeah, yeah. So he, he took accountability for that, which I liked. You know, he wasn't blaming Jalen. You know, one of our league mates, we hate Rob. Um, awesome dude on Twitter. If you don't follow him, definitely do. He's got a DVS, DFS um, podcast he puts out each week. Um, really good stuff. Um, we don't agree on everything, but one of the things he was, you know, saying, like, you know, you can't look at Jalen Hurts today and say he played well, but, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with the scheme. You know, your coach puts you in a certain position, right? Like, good players can overcome certain situations, but a second-year quarterback that played four or five games last year, 
you're not expecting him to overcome everything. You know what I mean? Especially this early in the season. So I think that was really good to see. Um, so I, I guess I would go Devontae Smith over Rondell um, just based off of him being the one and it being the safer floor. Um, moving on, can you trust Rojo as a flex option? That's a yeah, big Yeah, shout out to my boy Cole. <laughs> shout out to Cole. Uh, no, F no, man. I am not trusting Rojo right now. Um, yeah. It's it just – there's no way. I think it's unfortunate because he's just like <laughs> we said this earlier, so clearly better than anybody on that team, running back wise, and he's just not going to get the workhorse role until at least I don't know. When would you guys say week eight, nine, ten? At a really, yeah. I mean, at a, at the earliest. At this point, wow. I mean, it doesn't look like he's ever going to get it. You yeah. know, what I mean, they like Unf- to pepper in Geo a little bit. You know, they like to have Leonard Fournette kind of be that guy. So, listen, if Tom Brady doesn't trust you, or if you're not Tom Brady's guy, it really doesn't matter how good you are. Yeah, man, and Arians obviously pulls him off anytime he makes a mistake, so you can never really get into a rhythm. (laughs) Dude, I swear, they treat this guy like he's a fifth grader, man. He needs to get out of Tampa. It pisses me off. Because he would be an auto-flex start anywhere, or RB2, I'd argue. Like, yeah, like if he goes to this Arizona was, next year. If this guy was in Seattle, like, yeah. Jesus Christ. Seattle, yeah. He's a monster, and it's it's crap that you can't trust him. But at this very moment, you can't. And I think, I hope by midway through the season, it you can. I really hope. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't disagree. So our final question of the pod, two of our favorite owners – um, Dynasty JD and uh, <laughs> my boy Mitchell, Derek my boy Mitchell. Sigurd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So their question came into a really awesome topic, and I think is a really great thing to cover right now. And we'll try to be quick about it because I know we're coming to the end of the episode. Is how is the proper way to rebuild? Like, well, what? How is do the you want to rebuild? Yeah, you know, what's the what's the proper way to rebuild? Like when you have a roster and you're trying to break it down, maybe you're in a startup. You know, right now we're week two, right? So let's say you have a team and you just don't think you're competitive. For me, my philosophy has always come down to this. I want to have my quarterback set. I want to feel good about those positions. But when you're going into a rebuild, you want to look at what is the landscape for the upcoming class. I was talking to my buddy Joe today. He made a really good point. This upcoming class actually has really good wide receivers. So he'd be more comfortable buying guys like Travis Etienne, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, and putting those on his IR. You could go out and you can get guys like Irv Smith, Rashad Bateman. You know, maybe Jerry Judy not as cheap because he's not out all year, but you can get those guys that are going to be out for a while, throw them on your IR spot, look for the way to get some younger quarterbacks. You know what I mean? If you can have guys like Trey Lance, Justin Fields, um, even Mac Jones, you know, guys like Tua, you know, younger quarterbacks that you feel have a ceiling that you trust and you believe in um, that are going to be a little bit cheaper right now building your team around them. If you're able to get guys like Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, great. But, like, let's be realistic about it. Not everybody has that. So, for me, I'm building out my quarterbacks. I'm paying up for those elite tight ends. You know, the Noah fans that are, aren't at that top tier yet, but they're still great. And depending on that wide receiver class or that running back class, I'm building out accordingly. So, right now, like I said, I would go out, get some injured running backs, and then I would – build up those picks and then you'd be able to go out and get yourself some, you know, Garrett Wilson's, you know, David Bell's, some guys that are coming into this next class that are just going to be absolutely bonkers. Um, so for me, usually I'll build out my wide receiver core. Um, and then I just get a ton of picks and then I'll, I'll buy running backs in each class. Um, but this year is a little bit different depending if you don't have the top one, one or one, two, you may not get one of those stud running backs. What, what do you guys think? Where are you at on these specific, uh, rebuilds? Yeah. Con- so- King rebuilders. Uh, what happened? 
You're the king of rebuild. rebuild. Yeah, I, I was going to – so, all right, for people – obviously, you guys aren't in leagues with us. So, I have I have one league where I have Justin Fields, Deshaun Watson, Cortland Sutton, Irv Smith, and then pretty much the rest of the value on my team is in picks, right? So, everybody gives me a ton of poo-poo for, for this team. But the, the way that I believe rebuilds need to be done is, like Johnny said, you have your cornerstones – and then you have to have people who can increase in value over a season and cash in. So, for example, A.J. Dillon. If Aaron Jones gets hurt, A.J. Dillon is immediately at least worth worth at least a first-round pick. Carlos Hyde. If James Robinson gets hurt, you know, Urban Meyer is going to want to have two backs working, but Carlos Hyde is going to get the majority of the work. You can get a two for him. A Jacob Harris, an athletic profile that you want to bet on. Um, Harrison Bryant, athletic profile that you want to bet on. You know, these guys aren't their starters this season, but a disappointing season from the guys in front of them, you know, bad contract situations, these things pop up. And you want to have those lottery ticket kind of guys where, you know, if Tyler Higby, let's say he tears his ACL, they don't really want his cap it on the roster next season. They could cut him. And Jacob Harris was a fourth-round pick this year, I believe. 6'5", 215, you know, Experience. He's what he was a receiver before. They converted him to a tight end. You want to have these lottery ticket guys on your team. Uh, I was trying to sell Marquez Callaway for months. You know, I only drafted him in the twentieth round, so you know, no harm, no foul. I was trying to sell him for a two, for a three. Nobody bit. It is what it is. Uh, you move on to guys on my bench like Royce Freeman, you know, in the case of a CMC injury. He was injured last year. You know, you never know what happens. You just keep these guys on your team who have a chance to balloon in value. And like Johnny said, you buy along these guys who have injuries, like an Irv Smith. I got Irv Smith from Johnny, actually, because he's trying to compete. I got Irv Smith yeah. two and two threes for Terrace Marshall. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also in a two PBR premium league for yeah, tight, for tight ends. ends you know people they felt like oh that's not a fair trade well also some of those people don't believe in Irv Smith's talent like when you're building out a roster it's like you said you're getting a young tight end you believe in long term and that value for a wide receiver which are dimes a dozen to get a second on top of that and a couple threes like I mean that's an easy deal yeah. to make in a rebuild and when the biggest thing when you're committing to a rebuild is you cannot try to play both sides as if you're Dave Gallman. You gotta rebuild. You got you gotta strip it down. So in this league I have four firsts in twenty twenty two. Then I have another four firsts in twenty twenty three. And over that time span I have six seconds in twenty twenty two and then another four seconds in twenty twenty three in addition to having four thirds in twenty twenty three and pretty much the entire third round in twenty twenty two. So all these picks, am I gonna make them? Hell no, I'm not probably not going to make all these picks. But by the time the draft comes around, I'm going to have some guys who increase in value. I'm going to have my quarterbacks planned out. I'm going to have my tight ends planned out. And I'm going to be able to trade, you know, maybe I'll trade down from the 1-1 to the 1-4, pick up another first next year, something like that. And slowly this roster is going to fill out. You know, you could package three seconds and three-thirds and get a good wide receiver, two wide receiver, three type of option. It's all about consolidation when you start to put your pieces together and you want to be, you want to identify when that time is right. So another example of this is my, my league with Johnny called scared money, where I had a ton of, I had Dak, I had um, Chris Godwin I traded for in the middle of the season. I had Miles Sanders, et cetera. I, I tanked and I got Trey Lance in the draft. 
Dak came back. I had Mahomes from the one to one in the startup. And now I have Mahomes, Dak, Trey Lance. I had a ton of first round picks left over. Traded for Christian McCaffrey. I have DeAndre Swift from the from the startup draft. I have Chris Godwin. I have Antonio Brown, who I bought low on Miles Sanders. And now my team is probably one of the best in the league. And I have another first coming up in 2023 anyway. If I want to trade it, if I want to keep it, whatever I want to do. So it's it's a lot of identifying when your time to strike is. And it's also identifying guys who can return, you know, if you trade a third for Harrison Bryant and he ends up starting next year. Well, now you have a second plus. You know what I mean? It's all about that return on your investment. Yeah, I agree. I love – I mean, I don't rebuild often. Wrong. Like, I know you like to rebuild a lot, but when I do – it's a lot of fun because I usually stack up picks, stack up young talent, get, like you said, get a cornerstone. And then basically I like to trade off my picks when draft season comes up for like proven players and build out a roster like that and then keep some picks. You know, if you have an early pick, you're going to keep that and trade your later picks for the studs. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can really turn around in one year, like in one league last year, I didn't make the playoffs. So, like, I was stacking picks and stuff. And this year, I'm the best team in the league. So, sometimes you could have a quick turnaround. Like you said, you could prolong it. But there's a lot of ways to do it. But just make sure that you're selling people at the right time. Like, I'm in a rebuild right now in one league. And I have Cooper Cup. And now that he went off two weeks in a row, I'm going to sell high on him. Like, that's the t- the stuff you got to do. Make sure you're doing it at the right yeah. time. Yeah, and, and a lot of times, you know, we can't see these things coming, right? So, for example, Robert Woods. I'm in a league, and I sold him for a one, a two, and Brian Edwards. So, current day, you're probably not even getting a one for Robert Woods. I don't know. You know, I haven't gone out and tried to trade for him actively. So, that's just the the kind of instinct that I'd, I would have about it. But, you know, if there's a guy who has a chance to fall off that cliff, like a Robert Woods, even though he's – he doesn't look visibly worse than last year. He had a change where, you know, Stafford just gravitates towards Cooper Cup. Like the fantasy footballers said on their podcast, they go out for breakfast in the morning together. So, you know, it was kind of a little bit too risky of a piece for me to keep there, I thought. And I thought the value in a first and a second would hold so much better than Robert Woods. And I took it and I look better for it now. Yeah, no, I agree, man. I agree. I think when you're looking at those older players and you're able to get the value from them in one league, I'm moving Robert Woods, Tyler Boyd, you know, for first plus, you know, if I can, you know, a first, if I have to throw on a small piece, Um, because those players, yeah, they're great. They're going to produce, but, you know, a year or two from now, you don't really know what they're going to look like. And, you know, you want to get the value when you can. So, um, yeah, I think that kind of wraps up, guys. You know, I feel good about um, kind of that overview on rebuilds. Um, hopefully, we answered everybody's questions. We really appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, anything else you guys got for us? Not really. Um, just to say, like, you know, it, it's early in the season, so don't hit the panic buttons on your team, you know. Um, yeah, take the time. A lot a lot of good teams start off 0-2, 0-3, just how the schedule breaks. You know, a lot of leagues where – not a lot, but I had a league where it's a three quarterback league and I started Tua. You know, he left the game in the first quarter. It is what it is. I took an L because of that. So don't don't, you know, leave any of your rosters high and dry. Don't forget about anything. Stick to it. It'll be fine. Yeah, for sure. Nikki, Khan, thanks guys. Appreciate it. 
Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in for another episode of Dynasty Dogs. Make sure to check out the site, DynastyDogsFantasy.com, uh, for our newest rankings posted. Um, always look out for us on uh, IG and Twitter, and we appreciate everybody tuning back in. Have a great one. Hey, everybody, and thanks again for joining us for another episode of Dynasty Dogs. As always, we appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we always have fun with you. Make sure you come back and join us next time, and please remember to be on the lookout for us on IG and Twitter at Dynasty Dogs FF, all one word for daily updates and content. This is Johnny P, Nick, and Khan. We'll see you next time.